Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Josh Fitty Marlowe alongside us. We were just talking about UVA's game tonight against Pittsburgh. My girlfriend went to Virginia. She is listening. She was talking about, wait, why does Fitty hate Tony Bennett? And then at least they have the championship game after the UMBC upset. But then we started talking about how Virginia students refer to campus as the grounds. And as soon as I heard that, <laughs> I did. I did make fun of her for the students at Virginia calling it the grounds. And I think I informed both of you as well that students at Virginia, they don't refer to themselves as freshmen. If it is their first year at college, sophomores, if it is their second year in college, they refer to themselves as first year when I was a second year on the grounds. Oh, easy. (laughs) Oh no. I hope that's towards Tony Bennett. Cause you've been talking about wanting to come over and hang out. I'm going to tell you right now, that soundbite ain't going to help you. Ah, dude. I just, I mean, I, I flat out, I, I flat out hate him. And, Virginia's second behind Duke, right? Well, NC state then Duke and Virginia's third. Well, I, like with state, like it's not like state's program athletic department. It's their fan base. It's the people that root for them that I hate. It's not their actual teams or their players. When it comes to Virginia, like when I was younger, like Virginia was irrelevant. Right. So like when I was doing my history and learning about the history of the ACC, Virginia was a power in the 80s. And like as a young Tar Heel fan, I was like, dude, I want Virginia to be really, really good. And then and then they got really, and really then Tony good. Bennett shows up with this, you know, this 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 brand of basketball that should be outlawed. And we can't beat it. <laughs> and now they go, they win like 20, 25 games every year. They're a threat to make and, the final four. And you know what? And I hate it. And you know what, too? What what I would imagine makes you particularly angry is that they've destroyed North Carolina when they, they got us. good. Yeah, they do. But when I think about Virginia, to me, they are the South Carolina of, 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 of sports programs, athletic departments in their state, where Clemson will always be the standard. Virginia Tech will always be the standard athletic department in the Commonwealth. Really? And then wow. Virginia's second. Like, South Carolina always plays second fiddle to Clemson. The I Cavaliers mean, I, will always play second fiddle to the Hokies. I mean, at least in football. But how is that still true when their basketball program has been so good lately? I mean, football for sure. Yeah, basketball. They Mike Young just won the ACC tournament last year. Well, Virginia Tech for sure, but I mean, you can't yeah, sit on, here Tony and Bennett tell me Virginia natty. Tech is a better basketball program. I mean, hey, I said what I said. I, I know you <laughs> did, and I'm questioning it. I'm trying to figure out why you said it. And even with Frank Beamer now being gone from Virginia Tech, they still have some ground to make up football-wise. I mean, I thought Justin Fuente was going to do a good job after the first year, and that turned out to be, I mean, you know, I listened to Kyle Bailey enough to know that he's not exactly thrilled with the way those years went post I think first year for Justin Fuente so yeah interesting no I I I would imagine though that you do hate Virginia a lot because of the way that they've owned North Carolina in basketball recently we'll see if it continues 704-570-9610 that is how you can text us via the garage door guru text line um the Charlotte Hornets I don't think they're owning any southeast division eastern conference I mean they're not going to be towards the top of the standings in a lot I mean hell they've never won a division title before 
And they're not going to do it again this year, Wes. It's brutal. We just got the news going to break, I believe, going into the campus corner that Kelly Oubre is going to undergo surgery for ligament damage. That left hand sprain had been bothering him for a while. The injury kind of sneaked up on us a little bit, and then he's out for four to six weeks. Cody Martin is out there practicing today, if you follow Rod Boone on Twitter. So that's good news, but we don't know when he's going to return. Gordon Hayward leaves this game in the fourth quarter, the loss that they suffered to the Lakers. It's absolutely brutal. I mean, what we're watching with this Hornets team, they've had some awful years before. This is not a foreign concept to Charlotte Hornets fans. And even still, it ranks as one of the worst years we've experienced in recent memory because of the expectations coming into the year. As I said before, the hits just keep on coming. They came in the offseason. They have leaked into the season. And now with this Kelly Oubre injury, it's like, when uh, are they going to stop? I mean, it's just, the, you know, and then when you go to on the court, the shooting world, I said last night, if you can't shoot and you can't play defense, it's like, man, you might as well not even walk out of the tunnel. And that's been the two <laughs> things that they've been combo. struggling against uh, all season long. And then just coming into this game last night against the Lakers, uh, you know, a game that I thought that was gettable for them. And for most of that game, they were just getting absolutely dominated. Another big man, uh, Bryant from the Lakers, 18 points, 15 rebounds. How many bigs? Are we Thomas Bryant? How many bigs are we going to make famous this year? I mean, goodness gracious. They just come in and just dominate the Hornets. It's like there's no real, real positive thing you could point to outside of LaMelo Ball being exciting, but this has just been a rough go for the Hornets all season long. So, yeah, they. I mean, LeBron goes off. He has a message for MJ, as he usually does when he does suit up in the Spectrum Center. But it's been four years since he suited up here in the city of Charlotte. And he does last night. His line is 43 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, shot 15 free throw attempts. So he was really aggressive and missed all five of his three-point shots, but still 16 of 26 from the field. Yeah, some highlights. That alley-oop is as athletic a play I've seen him make in quite some time. And it's not like he doesn't make them anymore. Despite being 38 years old, having just turned 38, that alley-oop was amazing. I mean, a half windmill off the alley-oop ball that was too low. I mean, that, that made me have a loud outburst when I saw that. <laughs> and that has to hurt because you are not a LeBron fan. Well, we yeah, but no, that. I've always said I've enjoyed his in-game dunking as much as anybody. That I will I will never take that away from him. His in-game dunks are up there with, with the best of them. So, K-Will, Carter. K-Will texted us at 704-570-9610 that the Hornets are tanking without appearing to tank. And they're not doing it on purpose. That's the problem. The Hornets did not have any intention of tanking this season, but the injuries allowed them to do so. And just as you start to get guys back, you lose some key rotation players. Mm -hmm. You start to look at the trade value of these players, and it's been a take I've kind of been on the last couple of weeks now. But Gordon Hayward's value, even a couple of weeks ago, now that's diminished as he leaves again with hamstring soreness. And you know how it is with soft tissue injuries. I mean, especially in football, but basketball is a lot of herky-jerky movement. You're cutting a lot. And when you have a sore hamstring, especially for a dude that is on the wrong side of 30, when can we expect him to return? I don't know. This could be one of those lingering injuries where he's always questionable. He's doubtful. He's questionable. He's doubtful. And then finally, he just shows up with no warning. But it could be one of those lingering injuries. All right. So trade value, pretty low for Gordon Hayward right now. Terry Rozier had a nice game, especially in the second half. 
but it's been an awful season for Terry. That contract is way worse than Gordon's right now because this is the first season that it kicks in. So what's his trade value? I mean, the Lakers just beat the Hornets. The Lakers were originally interested in Terry Rozier, but is that true after what has been an awful first half of the season? I don't think so. Wes, as crazy as it is to say, I think Mason Plumlee is probably the most tradable player on this team. A lot of that has to do with you're not getting a lot in return anyway, so it's not like this big blockbuster deal. Those are always going to have a better chance of happening when you're discussing lower-tier players. But at the same time, I mean, as far as getting as close to full dollar value as you possibly can, Mason Plumley might be the guy that is most tradable on this squad, especially with Kelly Oubre now going out with an injury. Yeah, he just may be, but I'm still going to go with Terry because even though the efficiency has not been there, but we know how these teams get, we know how these GMs get, and we know how the NBA is a player's league. And I feel like a lot of people feel like, his situation has been circumstantial this year as far as just playing for this franchise and everything that's going on, all the minutes he had to play early with no LaMelo, having to be the pseudo point guard, if you will. But I still think teams like the fact that he can get buckets. Uh, they might not love the defense, but I think they like the fact that he can get buckets and he is very capable of being a really good catch-and-shoot player. And so I think that does hold some value to some teams out there, uh, especially for, for some teams that are looking – for some role players that can really, uh, you know, deliver for them as far as being maybe a third scorer somewhere in that range. And I think he would fit that bill for some teams. As I said, he does have his limitations, but I think that the scoring averages and the abilities that, that he's shown when he's having a good season, like last season, I think that that will still hold some appeal to teams. And I think they'll dismiss a little bit of what's going on this year due to circumstance. So we did get a few texts about the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Wolfpack James wrote in, no, Ubre is still the most valuable trade piece. 704 number wrote in, trade PJ. Stanford P wrote in, isn't Gordon Hayward always questionable? Big Cat Dan wrote in, <laughs> it's like Golden State when they lost Clay. They tanked without tanking. That's kind of how it's going for Charlotte right now. Let's go back to the Ubre, still the most valuable valuable trade piece. Yeah, I think Ubre would call for a larger return. I, I'm not saying Mason is going to get a bigger return. I'm just talking about what can you get for a hundred cents on the dollar. I don't think you're getting that for Kelly Ubre. Now that it just was announced that he was undergoing this surgery and he's going to miss four to six weeks. So let's say a team out there does find his shooting valuable enough, does find his offensive microwave type of style of play valuable enough he would come back around i'm guessing i don't know let's say late february somewhere in there maybe mid-february something like that and i guess there's enough time uh in order to integrate him a part of the offense and you know figure out how to use him but if you're trading for kelly Oubre, then you're probably want to go into contention because he also has a, a contract that's going to allow him to be a free agent next offseason. So are you giving up assets for a rental, right? A Kelly Oubre rental, and he could be gone the following season. I, I just wonder if that's what a team would like to do. Trading PJ, if we're talking realistic players that would be the most valuable, he still probably is the guy. And that's the one that the Hornets are going to have to make a really hard decision on. Do you want to trade? Do you want to trade PJ and get what you can in return right now before you lose him for nothing? Or do you keep PJ and try to go to contract negotiations where the reported asking price is 20 million? 
I don't think he's going to get 20 million, but I do think it's not going to be all that far away. I mean, people were saying, no, I'm not touching that contract with a 10 foot pole, man. The salary cap is going up. So that's always going to have a spike with these, with these salaries. And PJ, to me, I think he's going to play better in the second half of the season as long as LaMelo and Terry stay healthy because he doesn't have to go to the offensive responsibility that he was in the first half, and his numbers are already trending up. I don't know, Wes, what do you think about PJ's long-term future here in Charlotte? Well, with the way that the NBA just throws money in the streets and we see role players getting big, big cheddar, as they like to say in the streets, uh, I would not be surprised if PJ got close to that. Because, like you said, he is averaging a career high. Then, as of December 28th, he was tied for ninth in the NBA with 18 made field goals in the clutch. So, that's, you know, when the score differential is five points or less in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter overtime. Now, I don't know. You know, like I said, the Hornets haven't played in a ton of games where, you know, clutch play has come through or been needed from them. But, you know, he's got good enough numbers to go to the table. And we know how the market works in the NBA. And there's always going to be teams looking for a guy that's a stretch for. He does play defense. And it's just like I said, you get into the psychology of it all, the ego of a lot of these teams. They feel like they can bring these guys in. And when we get them into our system and when we get them around our guys, and I think that a lot of people might look at this Charlotte situation. They may look at it as a little bit dysfunctional. They may look at a guy like PJ. It's like, hey, when we get him in with our guys and our system, we can take him to the next level. He's already doing some good stuff yeah. now, but we can take him to the next level. That that word that they love to use, upside. And I think there will be some teams that still look at PJ as having a lot of upside as a young guy that can come into their system and flourish more than he has here. As Sam by the lake wrote in a couple of texts. One, he said, let's trade Plumlee now and let Mark Williams get those minutes. That is a popular take among Hornets fans. I'm with that. And I thought he played well, only 15 minutes, nine defensive rebounds. This team has had a defensive rebounding problem. So nine defensive boards in just 15 minutes of play. Pretty interesting there. Got to the foul line, hit three of his four free throw attempts. So for a 7-1 guy, I'll take 75%. Right. Honestly, any day of the week. And honestly, I thought a couple of nice defensive plays. There was one where he comes across the paint to defend a LeBron James shot. LeBron hits it, but I don't know how. I mean, Mark Williams defended that play really well, and LeBron just finished because he is one of the better players of all time. Possibly the best in some people's eyes. So that's just what happens when Mark Williams goes in. I figured I was going to get something there. But the thing about Mark Williams, too, is he's flashing. Every game that you watch with him, he does something that makes you go, man, this guy has a lot of potential. It's a nice story. We need him. Please give me the nice stories. Uh, Fiddy, I know you hit the uh, soundboard a couple of times, a couple of dings, a couple of wrong answers. What are your takes on the Charlotte Hornets trade pieces, how they'll operate the rest of the way? Uh, I think they should trade everybody that they can get value for. And whether that starts with my guy, Kelly Oubre Jr., a guy that I beat down the door last year saying you can't trade him this year, you got to trade him. P.J. Washington, I've seen enough inconsistent basketball from Kentucky players in my lifetime. Okay. It's time to move on from him. <laughs> Rogier and Hayward, I don't know what you're going to get for them. But at some point, like, if you look at your future, do they play? Do they have a role in your future? No. I, I mean, I would just embrace sucking and, and just being god awful because you're going <laughs> nowhere. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm scared about these contracts lasting a long time, and there were a few moves they could have made to put themselves in a better situation. Yeah. 
And let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean these 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 bad moves coming back to yeah. roost and be a real problem. Yeah, a guy you could have had had seventy one points last night. Well, yeah, Donovan Mitchell. Look, we've got Will Kunkel coming up. I do want to get to that because the Charlotte Hornets were very interested in Donovan Mitchell. You know, I they didn't have the assets to get him compared to a Knicks team or compared to a Cavaliers team. I do think there is a conversation, but yeah, when when somebody scores seventy one points, it'd be nice for him to do that in the purple and teal. Instead, he's doing that with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they look good after they were able to win in overtime. Coming up next, Will Kunkel, a part of Charlotte Sports Live and Queen City News, he'll be joining us to talk about the Carolina Panthers and whether they might hire Jim Harbaugh as their next head coach. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So Steve Wilkes has a chance to go 500 in this game against the New Orleans Saints as the interim head coach. But could the Carolina Panthers, could David Tepper be looking for a different head coach when it's all said and done? Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Will Kunkel for the first time on Wesson Walker. Catch him on Charlotte Sports Live, Queen City News, and on Twitter at Will Kunkel Fox. Will, you said you wanted to come on during the highest rating portion of the show, but you're supposed to be that guy that brings the ratings. Are you ready for that responsibility? Let's do this. You, me, and Wes, let's roll, babe. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's the second time that I've been called babe on these airwaves, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> all of the affection won from Jim Selania and now Will Kunkel. Will, you tweeted out yesterday, you reported on Jim Harbaugh being open to leaving Michigan because he likes the Panthers' head coaching job. We've seen that Jim Harbaugh would be interested in a lot of different NFL jobs right now. How realistic is that possibility as you see it today? I think that it is a very real possibility. I I don't know what percentage to put it on. I there it I mean this was one conversation. Uh we know, I think we've all kind of concluded within ourselves that Jim Harbaugh would like another crack at the NFL. I think he has the pick of his litter, so he gets to choose where he wants to go. He's not going to leave just to leave. Um so this is a very early on in the process. This is not one of those things from my sense that it's as in, like the season's over tomorrow, then all of a sudden Jim's here. First of all, one thing to consider is that they have to interview a minority head coach. Steve Wilkes does not count. So the Rooney w- rule does not apply to Steve Wilkes because he is under the Panthers payroll at this point. And you got to interview somebody else. So as it pertains to Jim Harbaugh, <clears throat> as I j- actually just tweeted new news today, I don't know if you guys saw it yet. It's breaking news about 10 minutes ago that Dave Tepper and Jim Harbaugh have had a conversation. So I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that is the latest as of about 10 minutes ago. Well, man, I mean, you were about to come on this show. Like, why don't you just decide to break it? You wanted higher ratings. You know that could have helped us out, right? Well, if you promoted this properly, they saw the I tweet first, then I come on. Don't you blame me. Oh, my gosh. So, well, you're in well. The Weston Walker Show. I don't know why that's the name of the order. (laughs) We can get into that later. But, you know, here I am, and here we go. No, the the order of the names, it has made people call this the Wes Welker Show a couple of times, and people are confused as to why the receiver with the Pats and the Dolphins have, have come to Charlotte to host this show. All right, let's get back to the other tweet, though. I mean, you did say Harbaugh likes the roster, and he loves the opportunity in Carolina. How attractive do you feel that other head coaching options, whether it be Harbaugh or whoever, how attractive do you feel like this job would be to those guys? 
I think it's extremely attractive. First of all, no job outside of somebody retiring, no job is going to be the perfect job because they have head coaches, right? That's the idea of keeping your job. But the Panthers have draft picks. The Broncos don't have draft picks. The Panthers have a competent quarterback in Sam Darnold, it looks like right now. I'm not saying he's the quarterback for the next five years. So in the NFL, if you don't have your quarterback for the next five years, you're always looking. The Broncos traded their future to not be good today and are cash-strapped from a salary cap standpoint because of the quarterback salary that they have. The Panthers' best players are on their rookie deals. J.C. Horn, Derek Brown, Brian Burns is going to get a new deal. Frankie Louvu's on a cheap contract. Sam Donald's not going to be signing for $70 million. Like You have good parts, and they're young. This is a good roster. It's much better than the record that, you know, that they finished with because they started off so slow under Matt Rule, and then Steve Wilkes turned it around. Obviously, something to talk about. So this is a good job to have, especially with Scott Fitterer making the decisions in the front office right now. Well, whether it was the game plan or not on Sunday, the Panthers ended up throwing it 37 times and only running it 22 times. Do you think that that was the detriment to Steve Wilkes to have so much of the game plan in the hands of one Sam Darnold? I don't think so because it worked. I think that was the question coming into the game. If the run game didn't work, was there a plan B? Or was it we have to slam our head into plan A so many times, then we're just kind of out of it, and that's it. Like Sam Donald threw for 341, three touchdowns, and interception. He did have that fumble. He should have fallen on it. He didn't play perfectly. He didn't play great. He played very good. He was not the reason they lost. The offense was not the reason they lost. It was the fact that the war of attrition was lost in the secondary by the uh, Panthers. Jeremy Chin wasn't in position, or Xavier Woods. i got to look at that film again on that safety help on the cover two. Steve Wilkes says he should have changed out and gone to cover two. C.J. Henderson got burned, and Keith Taylor got burned. Like, it was a defensive woes and not being able to create pressure up front. So I think Sam Darn, I think more questions were answered, honestly, the fact that they were able to have success offensively in spite of no running game. What do you think is going to be the most important part of the Panthers' offseason? Is it finding a quarterback of the future? Or is it making sure they have the right head coach? Which one is more important, in your opinion? Uh, you can't screw either one up because the head coach is that important, especially if it's somebody that comes in and wants control. You know, I asked David Tepper at his press conference when he fired Matt Rule, would you give the control that you gave Matt Rule to another head coach? And he, to his credit, admitted it was too much control. Uh, now, Matt was a guy that had never been in the NFL, never done it before, so probably wasn't wise to give that guy all that control. But at the quarterback position, we've seen teams win because they have a great quarterback. I don't know if you're going to find a great quarterback in this draft class. I, we thought we were going to a year ago. Now we're already looking ahead to next year. But it's, those are two positions. In my mind, you can't screw up the head coach position and the hierarchy with the general manager in the front office because that trickles down onto the roster-making decisions and into the locker room and how you run your organization. The best organizations have the best organization in the front office. So I, you cannot screw that up because then if you're not on the same page when it comes to getting your quarterback, you, then you're in double trouble. Then you got to start all over again in both of those places. So I think the head coaching slash front office, let Scott Fitterer lead this charge in finding your head coach and work in concert with each other. 
Will Kunkel of Queen City News and Charlotte Sports Live joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. You know, Will, a lot of people had kind of talked about whether Steve Wilkes needs to make the playoffs in order to gain control of that permanent head coaching uh, uh, head coaching tag. Do you view it that way? I mean, do you view that because they lost to Tampa, now that they're eliminated from playoff uh, contention, that Steve Wilkes probably isn't going to get this job? Or do you feel like there is still a very real possibility and he didn't need to make the playoffs? I think there's a very real possibility that he gets the head coaching job. I don't know what that percentage is. It's the same concept with Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. It's so early to figure this thing out. But I do not think that he needed to make the playoffs. Like, he turned a culture around. This team was 1-4 when he t- took over. The Rams game was a wash. And then he's changed that locker room. You hear what the players are saying. It is a different attitude in that locker room, the way they talk about Steve Wilkes and the way they talk about Matt Rule. Steve Wilkes deserves a head coaching job in the NFL. Whether it's with the Panthers or not, I don't know. You want to have somebody that fits your culture. Steve Wilkes is fitting that culture. Do you want to go out and hit the reset button with Jim Harbaugh or another player, another coach rather? I don't know. But what I do know is that Dave Tepper has the money to do whatever the heck he wants. But then again, he's now the second richest owner. He's now poor compared to the Walmart (laughs) over in Denver. (laughs) Well, when you look at Harbaugh, Will, and we know that he had a successful center in San Francisco with my 49ers, but then we know in college he's been successful at Stanford and Michigan and San Jose State. He strikes me more of a college guy, but what do you feel like he would bring, and do you think this would be a great hire for them to bring in Jim Harbaugh? I don't know if it's a great fit, and I don't know if it's a great fit personality-wise because of what I, I personally am a believer of Scott and the way he's running the general manager position and the way Dan Morgan and those guys are doing this. So I like that. I, if Jim comes in, the way he butted heads with Trent Baalke when he was in San Francisco, and that's not to say that Trent Baalke was not without fault. He was as stubborn as a mule as well. I just don't know that it's a great fit in culture. It doesn't mean it, it wouldn't work at all. But he also does have the mindset that the Carolina Panthers franchise and the fan base love. It's a two-tight end, run-the-ball, play-defense first, Bo Schembechler type of football. Does that work in today's NFL? I'm one, and it's a hot take to a degree, that everything is cyclical in life, whether it's fashion and those cargo jeans that you wear, Walker, that you think are coming back. Wow. That the smash-mouth football <laughs> is going to come back eventually. You're like, the center will come back in basketball eventually. Everything's kind of cyclical. If everyone's going lighter and smaller, you go bigger and you pound it up. No one can stop you. Well, I think you're just mad because I put your shoe game to shame when I show up on the CSL set. And I believe that you liked my velvet shoes that I wore the other day, uh, the other day that I was on there. Oh, that's rich. I'm just telling you. Yeah. yeah, You talk about a hot take telling me I'm bringing back cargo shorts. That's the hottest take you've ever had here. And it's just your first day. It's Will Kunkel CSL on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I do want to change it up just a little bit and get your thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets because they lose last night to the Lakers. Perhaps a bigger story is the fact that Gordon Hayward left in the fourth quarter with hamstring soreness. Now Kelly Oubre is going to be out for a little while. Dennis Smith Jr. came back, but Cody Martin hasn't yet. Will, what is the best route for this Hornets team to get themselves out of this hole that they've dug themselves and some of it unlucky, some of it being their doing, but what is the best route for them to take going forward? Put yourself in the best position to be good next year. I mean, you're not, what, what are you 
fighting for this year. It doesn't mean you quit. It's the NBA. Tanking is inevitable when you're in this position. Unfortunately, it's one of the worst parts about the league because it's just it's horrible to watch. It's a bad mindset. But with that being said, it also sets you up for success if you do it right <laughs> near in the future. And they have enough talent on this roster, oddly enough, that if they can all get healthy and bring in a star in the next year's draft, I think that's what they have to do because you're not making the playoffs. You're, you're probably not even getting to the play-in game. So what is the point? But the biggest thing is develop these young kids. Bring up Mark Williams. See what you have in him. I don't know what the deal is with James Booknight at this point. Um, you know, I'm not one of those guys that rips playing time by coaches because playing time is earned in practice, and we're not in practice. So I don't know what to make of that. It's really unfortunate where we are, though, with the Hornets because this went from the biggest offseason, arguably in Hornets history, and thanks to Miles Bridges, we are now back to where we were when they were one of the worst teams in the NBA, unfortunately. That is the voice of Will Kunkel. You can follow him on Twitter at Will Kunkel Fox and make sure you tweet at him and make fun of his outfits when you're watching Charlotte Sports Live at 11 o'clock on Queen City News. Will, we appreciate the time despite the shots fired, man. Thanks again. Hey, wait, uh, do I get a bath bomb from Bath Body Works phone line? Is that how this works? The Body Works Plus, it's the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's not a bath bomb. <laughs> what, what is it? Oh. Uh, did, did you think that we were just going to set up our guests with some bath bomb and then you could light some scented candles and enjoy the evening? Nah, man, we're working here. That sounds lovely. It does sound lovely, to be honest with you. I kind of talked myself into it. All right, how about this? Next time I'm on CSL, next time you jump up on here, maybe we can go bath bomb shopping together. Does that work for you? Hey, whatever gets the ratings up, man. Th that's it. I think that's it. I think it's bath bombs. Thanks again, Will. We appreciate it. Hey, buddy. Have you ever used a bath bomb before? Have you ever purchased that as a gift? Maybe? I have not. I haven't yet. I wouldn't be opposed to it. It looks crazy, but I've never used one before. And those things just explode with all sorts of wild colors. I've gotten them for the women. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Stop. Stop the bath bomb. Stop all that. We have breaking news. What's going on, Fiddy? Uh, the NFL has announced that the Bengals-Bills game will not be resumed this week. They have made no alterations to the Week 18 schedule as of now. But, you know, at some point they got to figure out something mathematical because that game had huge playoff implications on the lines. I didn't want to wait till my flash to bring this up. Wes Walker, what do you guys think? Is this the, is this the right decision? And if so, how, do, how should the NFL go about figuring out how to seed the top of that AFC playoff field? You know, the NFL took a lot of flack yesterday, and deservedly so, for proposing the idea that they sit out five minutes, just debrief for that short amount of time, and then resume play immediately upon one of your teammates slash brothers collapsing because of cardiac arrest. And... Excellent job. Really proud of Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, where you actually see one, the humanity, and also just the F you to the NFL to say, no, this situation is absolutely ridiculous. We're not about to play football right now after this dude just left in an ambulance and we're worried about his life. So we're going to not play now. And we're just going to wait on the NFL's word, the official word, that they're going to postpone this contest. So now that, obviously, I think it was 90 minutes after the incident, if I'm not mistaken, that the NFL finally came in and officially, quote unquote, decided to postpone this game. I think playing it next week is the right idea. I do think that allowing more time to try to figure out what's going to happen 
to try to, you know, grieve as much as possible and do so in your own way because so many different people grieve in different ways. And I'm not going to judge anybody for doing it the way that they choose to do so. You know, I do think that that is probably the right case here. I, I don't think you could cancel it because of the way that the season was portraying at the very end, but you can have ample time enough. And honestly, you should be talking to the players right now. Like what, what are the players saying about this when they're going to be ready? You have to save the players from themselves. I'm hoping that a week can provide some type of comfort. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough situation. I'm just glad that they're not trying to force it in a couple days worth of time. Like keep pushing this back a little bit because you do have a little bit of time and I'm hoping that they're able to do so in a way where everybody can come together and, and have the least resistance possible and the most understanding possible too. Well, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how they end up doing this because to your point too, with the trauma of last night, you know, when a guy's going to even feel like practicing, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? When you're talking about playing this game again, uh, guys have to be able to want to practice at this point. You don't know. It's going. Everybody grieves differently, as you said. Everybody is handling this in a different way. So for different guys, when are they going to be ready and want accord to play football again, to practice again? So that's another thing you talk about in preparation for more games is getting these guys back out to practice. When will they feel like doing that? It's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL handles this situation. And, you know, they did not handle it the right way. I got to tell you, though, I mean, I, I thought it was really interesting with Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott making that decision. And I think that's really important to bring up. It's the fact that those coaches came to the defense of their players. They worked together. They were talking in the middle of the field. They would go to each other's sideline. And then even in the tunnel where I believe ESPN was able to get some footage of those guys on the phone talking to, I would imagine, higher-ups within the NFL or just somebody relaying a message as to what the higher-ups were thinking at that point, I'm really happy that Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott were the leaders in that situation. And my respect for both of them, already high for a bunch of non-important football stuff. We know Sean McDermott a little bit here in Carolina, was a defensive coordinator, a very good one for a while, and has become a little a part of the Carolina family that has extended to Buffalo, where Brandon Bean is up there, where there are a lot of players that are up there as well. So Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor showing excellent leadership as to say, no, I'm going to take care of my players first and foremost, and we're going to prolong this process of waiting and figuring out exactly what happened. Yeah, and I mean, you saw the reactions from the players last night. Guys crying, guys just visibly distraught. I don't know how you flipped that switch from going from that to wanting to get back out there and remembering, okay, it's 3rd and 10, what am I supposed to do uh, on this play? So as you said, kudos to those coaches for handling that taking care of things, taking care of their players. And the NFL takes a lot of flack uh, for not caring about the players as much as they try to let on. A lot of players, you see them saying that the NFL doesn't take player safety as serious as they try to make it out to be in the media. So it was good to see last night the players being taken care of by the coaches. Yeah, it really was. And I know that they were uh, deciding to do that. So we can talk a little bit more about that, maybe clear up some stuff as well, but also continue to talk about some of the updates coming in on the DeMar Hamlin situation. Fitty Flash, now, second one of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, <laughs> the other big news storyline coming out of last night in sports was Donovan Mitchell's 71-point performance as he pushed the Cavs past uh, the Bulls in overtime. But also, Klay Thompson scored 54 to lead the Warriors to a, a big-time win in double overtime. 
I asked Jeff Rickard this on Charlotte Sports Day. I'll, I'll ask you guys the same question. They're going to get Steph back relatively soon. Hopefully. That's what, that's what they're hoping for, at least. Do you think that once they get fully healthy, they can round back into the form as the team to beat in that loaded, stacked, deep Western Conference? Yeah, I mean, Golden State right now is the nine seed. They are two games above 500, and if you look at the stack of teams in the Western Conference, so they're four and a half games back of the one seed in the nine seed, right? It's kind of crazy just how bunched up all of these Western Conference teams are together. Absolutely. I'm not going to count Golden State out. Steph Curry was playing like a league MVP before his injury. Klay Thompson showing the ability to get 54 points that bodes extremely well and how about Jonathan Kaminga becoming a part of the rotation again we saw him have a nice game against Charlotte yeah I'll never count Golden State out they're just too good they've experienced so much yeah and this is a team that they know when to turn it on but I think that's going what's going to be interesting I thought that the Steph Curry injury was going to be a very big blow for them as far as just the way they had been playing up until that point on the road and then losing him. I thought they had a chance to lose more games, but you look at it right now, they've won five in a row. They've been, their home record is stellar. They're the number one home team in the entire NBA 17 and two. So what I'm looking at right now uh, with that road record of three and 16, I'm looking forward to see if this is, they're really turning the corner starting on January 13th. They go on a five-game road trip, which includes dates against the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. If they can go in there and come out of that with a plus 500 record or better, then I think the Warriors are officially locked and loaded and ready to go for another championship run. And Golden State has been a team that has been mentioned every once in a while in trade speculation for Charlotte. Maybe they'd be interested in P.J. Washington. James Wiseman has oftentimes been considered a uh, returning player in a potential trade. Don't, don't know. Do they don't, don't know if that would absolutely uh, actually happen. But we can talk about the potential they had to get Donovan Mitchell coming up next. I know you wanted to speak about that as well. Seventy-one points, crazy mm. to see somebody go for seventy-one in this day and age. <laughs> I one time scored half of that on one leg. I bet you did. Torn ACL in church league basketball. That is our own Fitty Marlowe who played like Donovan Mitchell back in the day. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio ninety-two-seven WFNZ. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Donovan Mitchell going for 71 points last night and a win for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did want to get to this, and you can text us your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610 because the Charlotte Hornets were rumored to be interested in Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan was there to be had for a couple of different teams. I know there was a lot of talk surrounding the New York Knicks, as there always is whenever there is a primetime free agent or trade target. But Cleveland kind of came out of nowhere, which is weird that they came out of nowhere because they always made as much sense as any NBA team. The fact that they could get rid of a lot and still have a lot to group with Donovan Mitchell. And man, I'm just surprised that they weren't even, I mean, they were able to get him with the biggest asset being basically Colin Sexton. And I thought Karis LeVert would be in that trade. I thought, 
you know, more than just Laurie Markkinen and Colin Sexton would be in that trade, but Cleveland was able to land him. Now, they also had all the assets in the world. You know, they had all the assets, the first round picks, the trade swaps, or the pick swaps, excuse me, that you were able to send in a trade, and Charlotte didn't have that. And so I know people look at this, and I got to talk with Doug about this all the time. I think you and Doug agree with this. You guys, you know, just questioning why the Hornets weren't more aggressive. I think they were. The, the, the real part to criticize the Hornets on, if you want to, is the fact that they gave up control over a first-round pick in order to get Kai Jones. So what that means is that they can't trade that first-round pick that they have, which means they have three first-rounders as opposed to four, which is what the Knicks could have offered, which is what the Cleveland Cavaliers could have offered on top of those pick swaps. And so that limited them where it's pretty easy if you're Utah – Okay, Donovan Mitchell goes to the highest bidder in trade assets. New York, no? You're a little squeamish about giving up R.J. Barrett? Cool. Cleveland, do you want him? Cleveland gets him. So I understand maybe being a little frustrated that Charlotte wasn't more aggressive. Wes, I just don't know. I don't know how they could have been more without the amount of draft picks because I don't know if PJ is is the guy that's making that deal happen and LaMelo Ball is the only one else that you could trade and you're not trading LaMelo Ball at this point. Well, when you look at this, man, first of all, last night the performance was spectacular. The man had 55 points in the second half alone. Are you kidding me? All right. I mean, seventh player in NBA history to score 70 points in a single game. All right. Only happened three times in the last 45 years. All right. We got all that out of the way. But my thing is this, man. I know what you're saying about all that. It sounds hot. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna t- you're gonna tell me why it's cold. Well, no, 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 not at all. But why is it in this city that our teams never try to swing for the fences? Why is it we have the owner that everybody wears his shoes, including me today? <laughs> everybody respects Michael Jordan. He's so revered. Why can't he call these players? Would that have been tampering if he'd have done that? Oh, if you yeah. got it, Donovan <laughs> Well, send a message through a bottle. <laughs> send a message through somebody. Why can't Michael Jordan ever wield his popularity in this league to be able to pull off a deal like this to get a Donovan well, He might not be able to talk to him, but why can't he send a guy, you know, a guy to go talk to him and, and see what's up? Because we know in the NBA stars run this league. If Donovan Mitchell would have told him, no, I want to go to Charlotte, then it could have happened. I mean, yeah, I guess if Donovan didn't have and a ton of control. Just a little wishful thinking. Yeah, Donovan doesn't have a ton of control, but Utah could have done Donovan Mitchell a solid. Yeah. And you've seen that from different coaches. All the coaches. superstars pull it off. If he would have said, I want to go to Charlotte, then they would have had to make a deal happen with Charlotte. What's funny, though, and maybe not so funny, if you want to break the rules, it's that I, I, I think Mitch Kupchak actually plays this by the book. Where we've seen teams, I mean, hell, we saw Philadelphia get dinged for tampering. We just saw the New York Knicks get dinged for tampering. I think they had to give up a second round pick because they were in conversations with Jalen Brunson the whole time. Brunson didn't even give Dallas a real meeting. He was already going to New York. He already knew the type of money that he was going to get. You're not going to see that with Mitch Kupchak. The dude is old school. And it might be admirable from an ethics standpoint, but if you just want to win, baby, then... Maybe it's not so admirable from a Mitch Kupchak standpoint. And he's an Adidas guy. He's got an Adidas shoe deal. I've gotten Bryce a pair of Donovan Mitchells before, so it's not like Mike could 
send that box through and get that Jordan brand <laughs> deal going. So he, he couldn't do that. But I'm just like, I mean, can we do something to get something going around here to have a championship contender in some sport? Okay, now the Panthers, you know I don't want that, but I could take it with the Hornets. And I'm just like, God, can Mike ever just wield his power of being the GOAT? It's always been a talking point with him that he was going to carry all of this power because he is the GOAT, but it's never really come true. Yeah. I think Tony Parker is one that said he was influenced a little bit, but this After was... After 48 yeah. years of playing in the league, totally. finally got him. Totally. We'll probably get Curry like in his 19th season the, the, oh, when I, all he can do is hit three threes off the bench. We'll get him then. I'd still love it, though. Give me, give me, give me Steph Curry. Steph with a little salt and pepper. Here, come off the bench and get ten. So here's something that both of you guys will hate. But we talked about this on Lockdown Hornets. Uh-oh. So Doug, being a goofball, mm-hmm. decided to throw out the idea of LeBron coming to the Charlotte Hornets at some point, and he doesn't think it's going to happen. But he thought it would be hilarious if LeBron comes to the Charlotte Hornets, and let's just say in this very distant alternate universe that LeBron James wins a championship with the team that Michael owns and that Michael could not win a championship without, once you get to the trophy ceremony, you know how they give the trophy to the owner first? Could you imagine the picture of Michael handing said trophy over to LeBron? (laughs) Maybe not only the trophy of that year's championship, but also as the greatest of all time. That would like, would Michael want to even win the championship? Right. I think he's so competitive. He wouldn't want to. They could do it though. The Hornets just go ahead and draft Bronny in the second round and then they can get LeBron. A hundred percent. That's what he, would you, I mean, Fiddy is over there in pain right now. I mean, he's, he's looking at the ground. He is dejected as I've seen him, and I've seen him dejected quite a bit. Would you hate that scenario if LeBron came to Charlotte and won a championship with Michael's team? It would never happen because Charlotte couldn't get the seven other Hall of Famers LeBron needs to win titles. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Both of you. Both of you, I'm sure, are happy about LeBron not coming here. All right, we only have one more hour on Wesson Walker before we hand it off to the Kyle Bailey Show. It's coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.